Welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Steve Carter here and in association with my good friends at Preaching Today and Food for the Hungry, I bring you a podcast that hopefully helps you get better at the craft of preaching and teaching while always ensuring that our character leads the way. Well, today I get to interview a pastor. Uh, he, he started out in South Dakota. He has pastored and preached in Illinois. Um, he actually lives right down the road from the church that I serve at, Forest City. But this guy is one of those pastors that when you get around him, he just has a heart um, for the shepherds. Um, he has a heart for the pastors. He's, he's like the, the pastor's pastor. You know, he just has a way, um, because he's lived in this world for so long. He knows the questions to ask and the, the verses to double click on and the questions just to, to poke, um, at your soul and at your heart. And, um, I've been really looking forward to this interview, um, with Lee Eckloff and he, he's written a, a few devotionals, uh, books and, and, they're they're like known as shepherding the shepherd, and I uh, I absolutely love them. Um, they're connected to preaching today, and that's how I first uh, got introduced to Lee and got introduced to his work. And he'd be in a couple of meetings, and I was like, man, the wisdom. There's just just the wisdom, and wisdom doesn't just come; it often comes from. Um, great situations and hard situations and the Lord's teaching. Um, but man, he, he is just a wealth of insight. And I'm just so excited for you all to get introduced uh, to Lee Eckloff. Lee, welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Well, thanks. That's kind of a hard introduction to follow, but I'm, <laughs> I'm delighted to be with you finally. This is fun. Yeah, I, I'm really excited about this. I You know, for, for people who are just kind of tuning in because we got people from, you know, actually all over the world uh, through preaching today and that network, you know, different countries that are listening in. Um, and and I know many people because you've written, you know, minimum 50 articles for preaching today, but give us a little insight just on your journey from where you grew up to retirement. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, as you mentioned, I'm from a rural church in Northeastern South Dakota. There were maybe 50, 60 people on a Sunday. And um, uh, everybody was the same. Everybody was a farmer except my dad and the pastor. And my dad was the manager of a cattle ranch. So, uh, you know, everybody was same background. It was, I went off to college in Chicago, started to see the, the bigger world, which intrigued me greatly. I eventually pastored as, as an associate in Deerfield, uh, Illinois. And then I was a senior pastor in a, a, a wonderful church in um, Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania for 14 years. And then came to a, a, the Village Church of Lincolnshire, which was in the northern suburbs, about a mile from Trinity Divinity School. And I was there 22 years to the day. And in the infinite grace of God, uh, resigned, retired about five weeks before COVID. So uh, it was a mercy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think one of the most significant things for me was that I love preaching. And I assumed that if I did my job well, and if I was a good pastor, that the outcome would be pastoring a large church. It wasn't that I wanted to pastor a large church. I wanted to preach to a lot of people. I would joke I'd like to pastor about 100 and preach to about, you know, 1,000 or something. But uh, years ago, I was at a conference where D.A. Carson was speaking about preaching. And in the course of it, he said something like, if I were the Protestant pope, I'd be sure that a denomination put its best preachers in the churches around its seminaries. Wow. And that was a riveting statement to me. And it changed the course of my desires. And in the, the way things happened in the path of God, I found myself in this church near Trinity. And it was about 150 people. I'd come from a church of about 650. 
And uh, I assumed it would get big. And it did grow from 150 to 175 over <laughs> 22 years. Yeah. A thousand people passed through those doors in that uh, time, which was a, a sweet experience. But I had to wrestle with the idea of being a pastor effectively and successfully if it didn't show up in the numbers, which was not an easy thing. That is a, a hard reality. No matter what guys say about it's all about being faithful or I'll serve ever, you know, that's a hard reality. Uh, I know you come at, you've come at this kind of from the other side. You've faced the very hard reality of the big church, and you are gifted for that work. But that's kind of what my course was. And ultimately, one of the payoffs of that was the time that a large church does not give to invest in thinking about the care of souls. And ultimately, I also got to teach for maybe 20 years as an adjunct in pastoral counseling at Trinity. And it wasn't really so much about counseling as it was the care of souls. And so that's kind of what happened that led me to this season of, you know, I preach as much as I can, and uh, but I really write for pastors now. Yeah. Well, I, I love this because, you know, I, I never give questions out uh, to the people <laughs> I'm interviewing because I'm always, like, curious. And, like, oftentimes – somebody says something right in the beginning and I'm like, Oh my goodness, that's, I didn't see it going there. <laughs> um, you know, let's, let's talk about that because I imagine that there are many, many people, you know, whether they're in student ministry and their youth groups at 25 and they look down the street and that youth groups at 125 and they're like, yeah. we're doing the same thing. Um, or we look at someone who's been pastoring and you know, they're faithful to it. And yet there's this, you know, um, healthy desire, unhealthy ambition, whatever, whatever that thing is inside, it's not all good. It's not all bad, you know, but it's how, how did you, how did you actually care for your soul in the midst of not growing to the rate of your heart's desire? Um, I was really helped you know, uh, you're you're a little younger than than I, but in the '80s was the switch in church life, where we started to think in more corporate terms, and churches started to get big. They they didn't get big before that. I mean, a church in Chicago. I don't know if there was a church of more than a thousand people in Chicago, and that was really rare. And all of a sudden, God was doing a different thing. And there were these big churches and, you know, every city has these now. That changed the the landscape. And uh, it was very confusing for me. It was, uh, we were hearing words like you have to have vision and strategies and all that. I tell you, Steve, that was foreign to me. That was really uncomfortable. Those words have always felt like plastic and chrome. Wow. To me. And some of that's just person, personality. You know, I don't, I don't uh, minimize in any way the work of God in all these different ways. There are bad big churches and bad little churches, and there are great big churches and great little churches. But for me, I was sort of rescued by Eugene Peterson. Uh, his, he gave me permission and help to see the ministry in different ways when when the, the pastoral culture I knew was really pressing me to be what I just didn't know how to be. Yeah. And uh I think that was the that was the help. Uh and some of it honestly was just the I don't know that I did anything. It was the wrestling. It was the uh, sorrow and the Oh, what was the relinquishment mm. yeah. of, you know, take care of the people you have. Be grateful you get to preach to anybody. Yeah. I mean, really. And gradually I saw the great benefits 
uh, I remember a time where I was thinking about influence has been a really important word to me. I always think of it as sort of my currency mm. in life. And so naturally, you'd think that the preacher who can speak to lots of people is having more influence than the preacher that speaks to a few people. But I thought about that. I remember vividly thinking about this one time and realizing, well, it's a matter of speaking because the pastor of a big church has influence in one way, mm. but he can't know the names of the children. He can't do all the weddings. He doesn't go to the hospitals. He can't do those things. Right. Even when our church was 650, I was putting up fences because I couldn't manage the barrage, the pressure, the meetings, all that stuff. I just couldn't manage it. And it was joyless to me. It was just the work I had to do. And I came to rest in this, that being, for me personally, the gifts I had to do a church of, you know, 175, 200 was a great gift. Mm. And it was a gift to my soul because I had space that you don't have in a bigger place. Much, I'm sure, Steve, it's much harder for you, you'd know this better than anyone, to carve out space to think and to be sensitive and, you know, thoughtful about even a sermon because of all these things. And I had a little more space. I wasn't going to meetings all the time and stuff like that. Well, I, you know, I had a buddy of mine, Lance, he, you know, he worked in the pit in stock market in Chicago. And I mean, he, he crushed, you know, in the eighties and the nineties. And then something happened where it went digital and he, he could, he could read the pit. He could read like he could the own faces. the pit, yeah. the yeah. faces that he had that intuition. And then it shifted to this digital standing in front of a computer. There's no energy around it. And you're guessing. And he was like, I can't, I couldn't do it. It, it like it changed. And it's very fascinating the way that you describe that. It's like in the eighties, all of a sudden this new language started to come in that felt very foreign vision, you know, mission, strategy, you know, it's like Jim Collins, Jack Welch, you know, they, they became right. the prophets, you know, of the, of the, of this kind of boomer church. And, and I, I think it's really amazing because you, you have this, this season where some people actually that unleashed them and they created some really healthy communities and some, to your point, not so much. But I love what happened though for you is it actually forced you to have to say, that's not me. Right. I, I can't run that offense. I, and if I do, it's going to be imposter syndrome. For me, this is the offense that Pastor Lee Eckloff made in the image of God can actually do. And I, I think every pastor has to go through, you know, whether it's a crucible or whether it's a refining moment, but just to kind of understand like, oh, here's the offense. Um, here's the, the way God wired me, um, whether more strategic or more pastoral or more leadership oriented or more discipleship right. formation. But I, but I often find so many young pastors and so many pastors in their thirties and forties that are looking going, well, that seems to be the thing that's working. And I got to do that um, without having that kind of moment that you had to really go, this isn't going to be good for my soul. And this isn't going right. to be good for the people that I serve. But right. then also that I thought you did really, really beautifully when the way you described that was you began to see, oh, the the perks and benefits of I can do this many weddings. I can do this. I can know the kids' names. Because sometimes you can only see, oh, their life must be so much easier. They must da da da, da. and you realize each, every every place has its ups and every place has its downsides. You know, and I, right. I love that. Yeah. So so care for the soul became something that was so true to you as a pastor, preacher, and shepherd. Um, right. Talk about that more. Well. One level was I was very intrigued 
with the, you know, I started to learn about um, spiritual directors, yep. which was an unheard of term in my world. Um, and spiritual formation, which has a little different tone than discipleship. When I was young, discipleship was the term. Yep. That's what we do. Later, spiritual formation came in, which had a little bit more of a uh, inner life element as opposed to, you know, the orderliness of discipleship or something. I was very interested in marrying that sensitivity, soulish sensitivity, to preaching. I was uh, taught to be an expositor. And I am an expositor, and I'm thankful. A lot of exposition had a tone of teaching. That's the nature of it. It's uh, now to the next verse. This is what this says. But I was intrigued with how it wasn't very often, I don't know how to say it except soulish, uh, an interesting application of a sermon would be to say, so based on what you've just heard, this is how you'd pray. That's a soulish application. Yeah. So real quick, let's, you, you use this word soulish and I always think that like semantics matter. <clears throat> and mm -hmm. I, I don't want anybody to miss this because I, I bet you have this really robust, healthy <laughs> definition, understanding of the soul. And I, 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 I'm curious, like what, when you say soul and soulish and soul sensitivity, <laughs> what do you mean? Well, at, at the root of it, I think the soul, our soul is the part of us that connects to God. Mm. And, and the rest of us, our body, our, you know, if I can say our spirit or our personality are all encircle that part of us that is uniquely human that connects to the spirit of God. And uh, so the soul is the part that really prays. Mm. It's the part that grasps scripture enough to do, do something about it to some, you know, they, 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 they internalize it. It's the part that internalizes scripture. Um, it's the place where the real wrestling happens. Uh, you know, there's emotions that's, these things are all, you know, all braided together, but you know, will I, am I being transformed by the renewing of my mind? That's what happens in the soul. That's so good. I, I mean, I, I'm kicking off January at our church with a series. It's all going to be on the Shema and, you know, love Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your body, your soul, you know, and I really think of like that soul kind of the way that you're talking about it. It's, it's, it's like the sticky stuff, you know, that, that kind of, um, and, and part of the soul's work is to bring healthy integration to the heart, mind, and body. You know, and and sin really is disintegration, right? It disintegrates the heart right. from the body, from the mind. It just starts pulling us in fractures and fragments. And so I love when you just said that, like, oh, great, healthy peace was like my my prayer, like that, like like you're you're bringing it all together into like oneness, hot, like we're 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 healthy. You know, um, talk talk about that because again, that is a that is a shepherd, right? That is a that is a pastoral sensitivity, a heart, and I resonate with that because I feel like I'm a a pastor preacher, you know, uh, right. you know, and and there are apostle leader builder people, and I love them to death, and there are prophets, and they all see the future, you know. But I, I for me, it's like I love like the process of leading people step by step, forming and shaping, and watching them grow. And I, I, I just, I feel like you, you've done that. You've just like with a staff, just gone slow for the congregation, even though you might be like 10 steps ahead, but just like, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta bring them to water and I want them to not miss this point. So we're going to double click there. Yeah. Psalm 23 is our job description. Wow. Right. I mean, this is the good shepherd and you can just, I've done this with other pastors. It's just, okay, let's just take this line by line. How does that look for you? 
And, you know, at the heart of that is he restores our soul. And uh, uh, that that word restore, as I understand it, is has the idea of turning, like, like repentance does. It's this reorienting of souls. Uh, I just took a week away. Here I am retired. <laughs> I took a vacation. <laughs> and I went I, by myself and sat in a sweet place by a pool in Florida. And it was my express purpose was to restore myself. I literally would sit with my feet in the pool mm. and read the Bible. That's how I tried to get it in my head, right? I think that's the sensitivity we bring to people. If we are, you know, that expository mindset that just says, I'm going to teach you the word. Well, that is soulish and God's word does penetrate. But if the preacher or the teacher or the counselor is able to say, now let's, let's go and see where this integrates with you. A spiritual director uh, is not the same as a counselor. A counselor looks at a problem and is it's if you can kind of picture two people on the you know two little stick figures and the the dynamic is back and forth with God in view. Yeah. And that's very important. A spiritual director takes a look from helps you see what's going on between you and God. Yeah. They look into that. That's what a sermon should do. Mm. You take the scriptures as your sort of staircase into some part of that. Uh, same with counseling. It's really to see into the soul. You know, when Jesus, uh, Paul, I mean, uh, David in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your soul from the pit. He crowns you. With, you know, those are all soulish, uh, remedies yeah. that God brings. And it's my job to, well, one, to look at my own soul and to constantly be trying to wrestle with it. And I'm not great at this. I mean, it's not like I'm some pro. This is hard. Uh, but also, that I always feel like a pastor, in a sense, goes first. I process stuff that then shows up in the way I preach. Uh, if it's a sorrow, if it's anger, if it's uh, a disappointment, whatever it is, these things have to get worked out in me so that when I preach on something that touches on them, there is this resonance, I think, in people's hearts. Yeah. There's something beyond the mind, beyond truth. And when you preach scripture, that just the facts of it resonate with the Christian heart and rattle the non-Christian heart. Uh, but when you are kind of doing soul work, there is this, oh, yeah, kind of feeling. Yeah. So, okay, so so let's, I, I'm going to set this up. <clears throat> so give you like a couple seconds to think about this. I want, I want us to break this down with the teaching because I love that idea of that spiritual director image. You just kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's we and God and this like spiritual director is almost like looking into it. And you said, that's, that's what a sermon should do. A sermon should and talk about how you would write those sermons at the village church. Like how, how would you in a way create that space where the sermon mm -hmm. um, could open up the soul and begin to imagine or, um, you know, maybe, maybe it's Second Timothy language, you know, where where like the word could, you know, rebuke and correct and teach right. and train. Like where talk about how you how did you do that? That's such a great question. First step is it has to get into my own soul. I have to pray this into my life. And it isn't always about, you know, overcoming disobedience or something. Sometimes it's just, oh, I haven't thought about it like this before. Or Oh, a great question when you're studying the Bible is everything in the Bible is uh, counterintuitive. And so you're kind of poking for what you kind of uh, think. If this wasn't here, I wouldn't think this. What would I think? And let's, you know, just play with that a little bit, work that out. It's to pray it out, whether it's uh, Thanksgiving or, you know, kind of an awareness, but you work that into your own soul in prayer so that it becomes uh, part of you. But then there is this other part. Some of it is explaining to just track the, 
logic, the spiritual logic of a text till the, the listener goes, wow, that, oh, I never saw that. I see how these things, that's why exposition is so helpful because you're tracking some biblical logic instead of kind of cherry picking that. But the, the other part that gets lost by the sort of uh, analytical mind, if you will, is helping people grasp the wonder of something. Mm. Um, I'm just writing right now, Steve, a column for uh, next week about uh, where Jesus, the good shepherd says, uh, and I have other sheep who are not of the sheep pen. Um, I will bring them in and there will be one flock and one shepherd. I wanted to think about that one phrase, there will be one flock. And just to think about it, and I prayed over it. And I thought, take me into that. Make Help me see the wonder. And that is, you, you can't do word studies or anything. You just got to think about it. Yeah. You just got to pray about it. And I think Jesus loves to show us the wonder or the surprise or the perplexity, the sorrow, whatever it is. And when we can find that... It's more than emotional, but I don't know a better word. When we can find that sort of emotive center or part of a text and put that into words, people are saying, it's like hearing a song. Mm. A great song isn't just about the word. In fact, sometimes it has nothing to do with the words. Sometimes we like songs that are kind of stupid. Yeah. A great sermon finds the song in the text and finds words for that. And not everybody is gifted in words, but but there is a way where that gets into you, and it'll come out if you work at it. I can't do it on the spot. I have to sit and think about it. Yeah. I love that, that just the simple reflection and space reflection. to say, hey, Lord, um, sh- show me the wonder in this verse. Right. I mean, that's, that's – you know, like in Second Timothy, when – Paul is writing and he does the most bizarre thing. He writes about three fields and he's like, yes. Hey, there's like a soldier and, and you know, it doesn't get involved in civilian affairs. He only has one commanding officer. Oh, there's a, you know, an athlete. Uh, it's like goes for the victor's crown by playing by the rules. And there's an <clears throat> like agricultural farmer. Field, yeah. farmer and he's like, yeah. only cares about the harvest. And then the next verse, have you seen the next verse? It says, uh, Timothy, reflect on this for the Lord will give you insight into what all that it means. It's like, Paul's like, you figure it out. Like, I'm not going to, the Lord. And I, I think like so often um, we, we lose sight of that. Hey, like reflect on this. The Lord wants to right. give you insight, you know, show me the wonder, show yeah. me what it means. And I just, I, I just was doing this for the last um, six weeks. I, because I've been reading through Acts and we've been at Acts 20, and I, I read that passage um, where Paul is, he's, you know, he's giving his final words to the church in Ephesus. And he, he says this line where he kind of like adds to Jesus's phrase, but he says, um, it is more blessed to give than receive. And, and he says, he quotes like Jesus saying it. And I, I think the big question is, is it? Like, cause that's, that's right. That's a you great know, so, question. So playing with that counterintuitive piece, right? You, right. you just sit in there and go like, this is really? not the way the, yeah, exactly. That's not the way the world works. The world right. what is What about? Like, yes. And then you start to live in that wonder of, wow, like to be generous of spirit. Wow. It's more blessed. And how is that with my time or my talent or my treasure, my testimony, my thinking, like, am I more generous of spirit? And right. so it's just like, to that point, like that, I never had the language counterintuitive or that simple prayer of, Hey, show me the wonder, but man, that is, that's, that is so, so rich in bringing the soul into healthy alignment with the way of Jesus. Eugene Peterson used the phrase, uh, a contemplative exegesis. And that has become really a model. They both come together. And that um, I feel like texts, you know, depending on where you are in the Bible, they have these truth centers that it's our job to find when you're preaching. It's what's the, what's the you know, the author's thesis here. They also have a kind of, 
singing center. And they're not always exactly the same. There, there might be a phrase that's secondary to the logic that is the part that sings. And I I can't explain that, but I look for it because partly it's my nature to look for it. You know, I'm more of a poet than I am a scientist or an engineer, you know, but uh, this, the soul resonates with those things. Just like a song. Do you, do you have, uh, you know, from your library of sermons, you know, where you just have a moment where you're like, Oh, like at, at face value, the text is saying this, but like the soul of it, like that, that I love that. I love that line. It's like that, that resounding hum that's like underneath. It's that bass note. That's like, it's that poetry that, you know, if it's, it's right there, but if you're just trying to read literally, you might miss it. You got to feel it. You got to, that's right. You got to, you know, one of the fun things about (laughs) retirement, when I was thinking about retirement, I kind of made this promise. I'm not going to preach old sermons because that's sloughing off. <laughs> what I actually found was there are some old sermons that are like favorite songs. And I love to sing it. I love to preach First Thessalonians 4 about the second coming. It gets more um, musical, more wonderful. I mean, I've got some great lines in that sermon, you know, <laughs> or I love the, the passage in Hebrews 12 about the two mountains. Yeah. And just, and I'm going to take you on a trip. Yeah. Look over here. Look here. Do you know what this means? It's not just explaining. It's let me take you into the courtroom. Mm. Mm. You know, let me take you into the, like these, that's, that stuff really fires me up. And I, oh, yeah. I know I'm, you know, I'm kind of wired for it in ways that not everybody is, but man, I, and if I get a chance to preach it, yeah. I'm a happy man. But I also find, as you do, Steve, that every time there's a new text before me, it's okay. I, I'm supposed to preach uh, for someone and they want to, kind of like your series, but they, they want to take the uh, Exodus 34 where God identifies himself, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, gracious, God's loading. And I'm assigned uh, loving kindness, uh, has said, said, yeah, I'm not used to preaching a sermon like that. Yeah. And I don't quite know how I'm going to come at it. It's a, essentially a topical sermon, but I'm kind of excited about it. There'll be a wonder in it and it'll yeah. be good for me to have just as a homiletician to figure out how that works. Yeah. But also to pray that there would be this, wonder in that congregation in this little church where they get when they get to kind of be baptized in the Hesed of God. Yeah. Well, the best book on Hesed I've ever read is by a man by the name of Mont Smith. It's out of print. Mont Smith, he was a professor way back. Um, but man, covenant theology, man, it's like a I, it's hard to find, but if you can get your hands on that or find a library that has it, I it it just changed everything for me around huh. Hasid. Um, but I, 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 Lee, this is such a beautiful piece because that phrase, contemplative exegesis, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, um, just like finding the soul and finding where it sings and 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 letting it do its work in wonderful ways inside you and allowing you to see what God is up to. And um, but that that I think is probably my favorite part of the process of preaching. You know, it's mm-hmm. like when all of a sudden you're like, um, you know, you've, you've got like verse and you got chorus and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you got second verse, and you got chorus, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got like third verse and chorus, like, yeah, yeah. And then the bridge comes, you know what I mean? <laughs> and all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, you know, I, like I had this happen oh, and it totally surprised me. I, I was, I was, um, I was just preaching Acts, another Acts passage, but like Paul was retelling his story. And, and he, he says that Ananias like looks at him and says, what are you waiting for? Right. Like just the, just the simple, what are you waiting for? Like get up, be baptized, have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. And just to, just to have that like, base note, what are you waiting for? 
what are you, you know? And, and again, it just like that resonance, like all of a sudden, just the response of people, because I then just flipped it and was like, here's the five top reasons that people wait to be baptized. And I just, <laughs> you know, and I just went after him, you right. know, and, and I was like, but what are you waiting for? And it just, but just sitting on that question, um, like, you know, and I had read that passage oh, sure. know, 45 times, 50 times in my lifetime miss that. And then all of a sudden you hear it and you come into that like slipstream and you're like, oh my goodness. That feels like you're surfing the text. That's know? really great. <laughs> you know, this, this challenge I have now is a, a big part of my life is writing. And you refer to this, these uh, written, these devotionals, these, they're letters to, to pastors every week for three and a half years. I've written 182 of these. Amazing. And, uh, you know, they're, they're brief. Uh, they're 600 words. What I've learned is, and I have the advantage, I'm speaking to pastors or church leaders as a rule. I don't have to explain things. This isn't typical exegesis. Right, right. I take one thing, one phrase, one verse, you know, 600 words. I can't re even reproduce a text because it takes too many words. Yep, yep. So it has to be really concise. And the and I get to write just for the heart of a pastor. I don't have to speak to the lost or, you know, it's just this little, it's you. Yeah. You'd get this. I don't even put references in most of the time because you, you, you can find it if you want it. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you know, I don't want to interrupt the flow. And I think the privilege, one, the great privilege of speaking to other shepherds, which I... I treasure that. And then taking a, a thing like, you know, where like the, one of the recent columns uh, last time was um, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I wrote part of the column about what a wonder that is. But then I said, we're in shepherd school uh -huh. and we all have to do that. Yeah. Part of being a shepherd is you, you follow Jesus in this and nobody really prepared us for all the dying. <laughs> That we have in the ministry. Each of these little columns has this my desire to kind of speak into the encourage my spiritual gifts, Steve. Uh, Steve, I have two: wisdom and encouragement. Mm. I am not good at speaking into the times. Uh, you know, I, I I'm not good at that. I respect people. I read this. My hero, a preaching hero lived a hundred years ago. His name is Alexander McLaren. And uh, anybody who reads commentaries will run into his name because he's quoted all the time. All the time. Yep. And that's how I kind of looked him up and got to know him. And uh, when he was about 75 years old, he was speaking to uh, the assembly of the Baptists in England. And uh, he said in his introduction, he said, please allow me to quote an old Puritan. When so many brethren are speaking to the times, please allow one poor brother to speak to eternity. And I thought, that's what I can do. Yeah. One old guy speaking to things that are more timeless. It doesn't matter when you read these columns, what time of year or now or in a year, it doesn't matter. And I have really loved that role. And it has changed. It's not preaching. I don't have the, the breadth that you get in a sermon. It's this little thing. And just being privileged to have time to think about it, find language that you, you know, you like, you got to like the language. If you don't like the language, if it doesn't move you, if you don't go, oh, I really have to put that, you won't read it next week because there's a thousand things you can read. Right. We all look for somebody. That's why I like Peterson. He just put things so well. Yeah. You know, and we all like that. So that's something I've really... I never expected this. I never tried to be a writer. I fell into it by the graces of God. And this is a great privilege. It's a little different than the, the pastoral preaching work that yeah. we do. Well, what I what I love in, you know, if, if you go to Lee's website, it's L-E-E-E-C-L-O-V.com. So L, three E's in a row, and then C-L-O-V.com, Lee Eckloff. You, you will see it right 
front and center, his heart for pastors, you know, and, and also like there's tools on his site around for you to like ask yourself, man, and like, where, where's my tank? Is it, is it empty? Right. You know, like there's ways just to, you, you see your heart for the pastor. You see some of the writings that you've done and the articles that you've dropped. And, um, you know, I, I think for shepherding the shepherd, you know, I think that there's, there's a lot of pastors right now, you know, who are in that grind, you know, Sunday's oh, yeah. coming. Sunday's coming. And sometimes Wednesday's coming too. And right. elder meetings coming. And yes. my kids are coming, you know, to graduate or coming to a drive, coming to, you know, into their own. Like there's so much that is coming at the pastor. And I really just love how you and I've never, I never, never said it like that. And I will from now on and give you credit. Um Pastor equals shepherd school, you know, that, that shepherd school. Um, and we're, we're in shepherd school. And, and, and here's the, here's the thing I always will say is when I practiced basketball in my driveway, um, nobody came and watched me. Right? <laughs> it was just, it was just me in my driveway, just working on my game. And then, and then every Sunday, like that I teach you're in front of 50 people, hundred people, thousand people, whatever the numbers. And and you you're 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 proficient, but it's still past it's still shepherd school. You know what I mean? Like that's right. And so so how do you balance that proficient yet recognizing you are still in shepherd school? And how, Boy, how did you do that? You know, that's an interesting question. Um well one I, I just, like you, I really took preaching seriously. And not, you know, there, it's like uh, basketball or learning piano or anything. You start by just not being very good at it and being mechanical about it. Yeah. Finding your points or whatever, you know. The The, the wonder of finding your voice is a remarkable thing that – when I look back on it, I can think, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. But I don't quite know how it happened. It's just, uh, and it's the same as a writer. <clears throat> you know, when I, the first book I wrote, which was for uh, Moody uh, Publishers, I, uh, I, my congregation didn't know I was writing it. And at the, uh, uh, there was this, um, we were about two weeks from finishing the book, and I had a congregational meeting. And I said, I want to tell you this. Let me read a little bit. And I read this part. I liked it a lot. And afterwards, we're having coffee, and one of the ladies says, wow, it sounded so much like you. And I said, you have no idea how hard it is yeah. to sound like me, yeah. you know, to find my voice. Yeah. I think that was part of it, is that that slow process, it's of being authentic and warm-hearted. Mm -hmm. I'm not mad at you. This is a grace event. You're here. I mean, I'm not speaking to all the people that aren't here. I'm talking to the ones that are here. And it's a great privilege to do this. And um, uh, I I liked that. I liked, you know, in a smaller church, I liked that I knew the people. I don't know that I tailored sermons so much, but I suppose it happened sort of unconsciously. But I looked out. These are my people. I know their names. I I talk to the children. You know, I I really like. I love meeting the new people. I love those things. I, you know, and I kind of miss it. I, uh, you know, the second to preaching was walking around <laughs> and just hand on shoulders. And stuff. I still do it at coffee shop. I just <laughs> meet people. You know, and uh, I love that. I think. If I could do something better, I wish I'd have been a better prayer. I don't think I prayed very well for people. Yeah. I don't think I wrestled for them. I didn't even know what that meant, actually. Yeah. Was that just pray more often, or what is that, you know? Um, but I did try to be more aware of sort of stepping into their lives, asking you know, you would know this. A pastor can ask people pretty personal questions just out of the box. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's been a year since your husband died. How's it going? Yeah. Uh, what was it like to go through cancer? I mean, what what was 
are you still talking to God? I mean, you know, you can just ask blunt questions. And I think elders can too. They don't always know it, but they can. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but those no. are some of the things that come to my mind. Yeah. Lee, you, I've, I mean, just a, an absolute gift and um, wealth of wisdom. Um, so talk just a little bit about the actual devotion book, Shepherding the Shepherd. Um, yeah. where, where, where can you find those? Well, they're published. There's two of them. And they are, they are uh, collections of 52 of these letters that I have written to pastors, 52 each. Uh, and they're published by Christianity Today. They're available on Amazon or from Christianity Today. And they're called Shepherding the Shepherd, Volumes 1 and 2. And they're little. You know, 600 words is a really quick read, right? Um, but uh, so that's where they are. And uh, I'm very, as you know, Steve, I mean, we're both privileged to have this opportunity worth preaching today, which, as you said at the outset, takes us into places all over the world. I mean, it's just crazy to me. I'm from this little place. And I get, uh, you know, I get an email from, you know, Australia or, or, or England or somewhere. And, or, you know, America, all over the place. It's just amazing to me. I always respond. I have the time, so far at least, I always respond to every single person that writes to me. Yeah. Often I'll, you know, connect with them on Zoom. I just enjoy it. I love talking to pastors. And, you know, I think the thing that pastors, what I bring to pastors, I'm not primarily a counselor. You know, I'm not helping them in distress. A lot of pastors just don't have a pastor friend. Yeah. They haven't found a way to do that. I did. I always had pastor friends that I met with every every week. Uh, I, I did that for, oh, man, 30 years probably. And it was the safest place I knew. I loved being with those guys and we didn't even socialize. It was just then, you know, but I think of my role as here. I am this old guy. I'm 72. I like them. I know their world. And I feel like in writing, it's my way of, I like the letter format. I liked, it's my way to talk to them and to be their friend and to sympathize and to delight. I hope to take us back again and again to these things that are common to us all. Yeah. Wherever you serve, whatever your denomination, if you love Christ, if you love scripture, then we'll be on the same tech, you know, on the same path. I don't, I don't, that's enough. Well, I think, I think for any of the pastors that are listening, you know, if you, if you, you know, you're on a staff of eight or staff of 20 or staff of 200, doesn't matter, you know, sometimes I think we're all looking for resources at which to kind of shepherd the shepherds in our right. flock. And, and, right. and, and again, like our junior high pastor, who's an emerging voice or our kids pastor, who's an emerging voice or this executive pastor who's an emerging voice. Like, and, and sometimes it's like, you know, getting those groups of people together, or sometimes it's before lead team meeting, having something just to, just to think about. And when you have someone who's kind of written these and they're, you know, 600, 700 words tops, but you can just kind of like read through it and, you know, just, Hey, what, what, what came out of that? You know, because yeah. again, we are in shepherd school and this, this little resource, um, is just packed with so much. Um, and again, um, for, for those who aren't in the shepherd school, um, it might not <laughs> be the, the thing for them, but for us who are, and we've chosen this and it's a privilege and yet in the midst of it, having to learn how to die to self and how to sacrifice and how to step into our gifts and just to have someone kind of guiding you. Um, as you guide the other shepherds on your staff, and this is just an incredible resource and Lee's just an incredible resource. And Thank so you. I always appreciate your work. I appreciate your writing. You know, you're dropping knowledge on preaching today.com all the time. And, um, <laughs> I you. just, uh, I just think the world of you and you're wildly accessible too. to that point. I mean, um, so any of you who are listening, who just maybe just even need to reach out I mean, go to Lee Eckloff.com. You can, you can see his work. Just, he's got a lot of his like writings in the shepherding the shepherd right there from preaching today. And you can just, you can get right. a sense of like who he is and his sound. And I mean, you'll just feel just as you've heard in his voice, the pastoral heart, he, he finished well and he's finishing well. 
And he wants so badly for you to finish well. Um, so Lee, thank you for your time. I'm really, really grateful. And uh, besides LeeEckhoff.com, is there anywhere else people can find you? Are you on social media? Are you, are you like? Not much. I'm on Facebook, but I'm not, I'm no, not a lot. Yeah, my, it's mainly- my my first uh, editor, you know, and, and marketing people, and they wanted me to do Twitter and everything. And I just thought, I can't, I can't do this. I yeah. can't keep up. I can't think of this much. So it's it's there, and really through the the column is free through yeah. preaching today. You know, they have you and I both know that they they it's a subscription service, but they also have a free list. That comes, you know, you get something from them every Monday with some resources. And then my column comes out every Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. And it's just, it's free to anybody who wants to go sign up for it. It's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, there's close to 60,000 people on that list. I know, I know. That's it's amazing, remarkable. isn't it? It's remarkable. Look at us. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Well, thank you so much, Lee, for your just continued heartbeat for pastors and just your faithfulness. And yeah, I mean, I think in this line, I, I, I'm, I'm walking away with just, you know, thinking about, man, my next sermon and just to show me the wonder, Lord. I mean, it's a simple yeah. breath prayer. Show me the wonder, that contemplative exegesis. Oh, man, I was going to find that soul. And um, man, thank you. This is a real gift. And, and you know, to any of you listening, uh, check out leeeckhoff.com. Check out preachingtoday.com. You can read some of his work there. And um, if this this kind of struck a chord, um, feel free. Reach out to Lee. Um Share this with a, a pastor friend who just might need a little shepherding of the shepherd while in shepherd school. Uh, that might be a, right. a great encouragement to them. And um, if this podcast resonates too, you know, um, get, leave a review or shoot us an email. We always love hearing from you. And uh, thank you so much for your continued support. And it means more than you know. But as you walk through shepherd school, well, let me do this. I'm not going to, I was going to do a close, but I've got, I've got the shepherding the shepherd legend. Would you, <laughs> would you actually, would you just say a little benediction over the past? I would love to. Oh, be awesome. Steve, I love benedictions. And uh, I'm not sure this is a good idea, but let me do it this way. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And give you peace, and give you peace, and give you peace forever. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you. And give you peace, and give you peace. And give you peace forever. That was beautiful. Before we end, can I just tell you, on Sunday, we did children dedication, child dedication to the kids and the parents. And I made the whole church sing that acapella over the parents. And I led out on it totally off key and the whole room busted out laughing so it's 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 like the lord humbling me and reminding me how to sing that song well um and you just did it the next day so i just love it the lord you're so good but my friends may you hear that blessing um and may he grant you peace grace and peace, everyone thank you